0: Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison, and today we continue our fantasy file series with a look at the RB1 in LA, Cam Akers. One of the more, not controversial, but Guys in the fantasy industry that I think you're either really high on or you're kind of fading the noise with it. And, you know, it's fair because last year we don't have a great – even split to go off of we didn't have a ton of instances of acres malcolm brown and daryl henderson all being healthy at the exact same time what happened to start the year is henderson was banged up acres manages to start both games doesn't particularly impress i mean he was he started both games but malcolm brown was actually basically their lead back at least in week one against the cowboys and unfortunately week two you know acres plays three snaps gets three carries 13 yards and then he suffered his I believe it was a hamstring injury and from there unfortunately he wasn't able to get healthy for a while so yeah a rib injury I'm sorry it was a rib injury that kept him sidelined after that and the Problem with rib injuries, like rib and shoulder with these running backs, they concern me because when you look at what a running back has to do in terms of just running between the tackles, taking on these monsters in the front seven, yeah, playing through a pain like that, okay, maybe you can do it, but can you do it as effectively? Can you run with that same ferocity? A lot of questions. So he missed the next two games with that rib injury. He comes back against Washington, ripped off like this nasty 40 yard run. Credit to Montez Sweat for catching him down. He's a freak. He's the fastest kid alive, but it was a great game from acres and we all kind of thought the breakout could be coming and then all of a sudden the next two games even though we thought he was healthy he only played a total of four snaps so i think this is where we need to realize Akers was starting the season when he was healthy. Daryl Henderson was playing well, but it doesn't make sense for them to just purely bench Akers based on what his production. He had a great game against Washington. I think what they were doing was holding off a little bit, letting him get healthier before actually going through and trying to give him this full job. There's a reason why we saw Akers, you know, reach double digit touches for, or I guess uh, get double digit carries, excuse me for the first time since week one, following the Rams week nine, by you know we see this all the time with rookie running backs happen with miles sanders happened with Johnson Taylor last year to, uh, to an extent. A lot of times, they're unleashed later in the season because it takes a while for them to either get fully healthy, get acclimated with the entire playbook, or just get good enough to warrant the every down usage. And yeah, it took acres a bit, just like it does a lot of guys, but what, what we saw after that week nine bye was truly impressive. A couple man games, and then we see him against the 49ers 84 yards and a touchdown just nine carries. Against the Cardinals, he finally clears the 20-touch uh, mark, and then he goes Was off against the Patriots. And then also the Jets, he was playing well until injured as well in these games. Let's see, in week 13, we had a 63% snap rate, 79% snap rate in week 14. People, this was all before Daryl Henderson was lost for the season. He was inactive in week 17 throughout the playoffs on the IR. Like Akers took over before Henderson had his season-ending injury. Henderson did get banged up against Miami before the bye. It was like a quad issue, and he wasn't playing as often. I heard someone else say he banged up his knee uh, early on, I think, the game against Seattle, and he wasn't quite the same. It's tough. That's why I was saying, like, we don't have a clear split on this earlier in the year. Acres was playing through pain at the end of the year. Henderson was playing through pain. Henderson was active in these contests though. He just wasn't holding a candle to what acres was doing. So maybe it's a situation where it's going to be more split than we saw it. And McVay was just leaning on the, you know, whoever was kind of healthy enough to go through it. But I'm just saying people, it's gotta be, you know, what acres did and what Henderson did is uh, are two completely different things. Credit to Henderson. He had himself some nice stretches, early on in the season. Akers was the one, though, that freaking dragged them, more or less, to a playoff victory over the Seahawks and was primarily the reason why the game against the Packers was at least a little bit close. I mean, 14 points, not really. I mean, they were using him in Wildcat. He had thirty freaking touches against the Seahawks and managed to go for one hundred and seventy-six yards. Like my biggest, my biggest beef in the entire fantasy community so far this off season. I understand if you don't love Cam Akers, there is some concern if he's splitting things with Henderson. He's going to be going overdrafted compared to some of the guys. uh, Where we, you know, if you have him in the top ten, you're going to not love that if Henderson's getting as many snaps as Akers is. Quit telling me that like, you're fading acres because you only had 100 yard game last year. We say that the NFL playoffs count more than anything. So include it when you're talking about freaking stats on these guys, you're trying to make fun of them, I guess, for not putting up enough yards. Like, come on, people. It's lazy. It means you probably didn't pay enough attention when it happened. And like, come, come on, just so don't be that guy or girl that rationalizes fading acres just because he had one regular season game with over 100 yards and completely leave out the more important game against a tougher run defense when he did it in the wild card round. So with that off my chest, the usage was great down the stretch. Again, in those playoff games, Malcolm Brown was there. Malcolm Brown was the guy early on in the year, you know, reliable, early down, you know, early down, uh, low yardage, Pass blocking, he can do everything you want. Acres played seventy-two percent, and then ninety-six percent of the offensive snaps in these playoff games. Ninety-six percent snaps, people. McVeigh in the most important game of the year for them didn't feel the need to ever take Acres off the field. Why would you? You can do everything. You can run. You can catch. You know what's the quote from Five Night Lights? Paint your back pores. Take the dog out. Fill up the Gatorade. Oh, and he can pass. Truly, people. If you didn't catch him out Florida State, we have video evidence of Cam acres in a college football game, completing a 50 yard pass in the air. This dude has a cannon and I'm really hoping we see McVay use that at least once or twice this year. So that takes us to this kind of year's version of the team. And Hey, McVeigh at least sounds pretty optimistic that acres can't handle the whole road. Can ha- can't handle the whole load. Excuse me. Last week, we had McVeigh say Akers is obviously a great runner, but he's got a build as a pass catcher coming from the backfield, and we can displace him and put him in the slot or the outside receiver location. This is like, you know, coach speak one one-on-one in the offseason. They're always talking about which running back is going to be used more as a true receiver. You know, heard it from Tony Pollard a lot. We got DeAndre Swift had it earlier this offseason, Najee Harris. It happens a lot. I don't think Cam Akers is going to play more than a handful of snaps in the slot or out wide per game, potentially the whole year. But the fact that McVay is him up as a pass catcher is everything because as it stands, even if acres doesn't have the whole 90% girly role that we saw for years, barely anyone does. I mean, the guys that do McCaffrey, Dalvin, potentially Saquon, potentially Zeke, they're not going in the same range as Akers anyway. That's why we're also high on Cam Akers because that is his best case scenario. Guys like Jonathan Taylor, guys like Antonio Gibson, you know, we have Naeem Hines there. We have JD McKissick there. Akers' opportunity to take the complete workhorse three-down role is higher and better than a lot of these other running backs because we have seen McVay give that role to Todd Gurley and CJ Anderson, for a long time even Malcolm Brown like we're gonna get to my uh, PFF Lily stat with this but McVay has been a three down back guy in the past and he wasn't last year but again it's because he didn't have a healthy running back to really lean on the entire season and when he did finally in the playoffs we saw him go back to the featured back in Cam Akers so looking at acres again i think he's going to be the lead back here with the pass down work and whether it's you know going to be 60 or 70 percent snaps or 90 percent snaps is going to be the difference between him being a low-end rb1 and maybe the rb1 again though the fact he has this potential in in his potential range of outcomes tells you all you need to know because this offense people i think is going to be absolutely fantastic we saw a major drop off last year in the scoring department Derek Goff was objectively bad for most of last year 22nd ranked scoring team this was after though In 2019, they ranked 11th. In 2018, they ranked second. In 2017, they ranked first. So this was the first year we saw Sean McVay not field a top 12 scoring offense. And I think getting Stafford there is going to take them back into that range. Let's not use Stafford's entire career here to decide what's going to happen. Let's use the two most recent years. Let's use 2019 and 2020 with Darrell Bovell in town. And people, he's been a top 10 quarterback since that happened. BFF passing grade, he's ninth among 59 qualified quarterbacks over the past two seasons. Big time throw rate, tied for third. Turnable worthy play rate, fifth. Yards per attempt, eighth. Adjusted completion rate. 43rd. That's the one bad mark. Hasn't been the most accurate, but that's also because he's been pushing the ball down the field a lot more. And that's why his QB rating at 13th reflects higher. So the big thing last year, it was embarrassing. Like golf couldn't throw downfield. He has before. Like I'm old enough to remember that like 54 to 51 uh, Rams chiefs game. Like golf has put some just great downfield throws on film in the past. Wasn't doing it last year. Only Alex Smith, Jimmy G, and Drew Brees both a lower, lower average target depth than Jared Goff in 2020. Stafford, he was actually a top three quarterback in yards per attempt under pressure last year. Goff was a bottom three. The two biggest issues with Goff last year were dealing with pressure and just the inability to, either the inability to throw or just to feel like throwing the deep ball. Stafford should provide an upgrade for both of those. They got Deshaun Jackson, 2-2 Atwell. Maybe Van Jefferson takes a bigger step forward. Everything tells us this Rams passing game should be better, which ideally will make life easier on offensive line that a lot of us, including myself, thought would regress last year. I mean, this is the uh – almost the model of Pittsburgh Steelers are approaching because the Rams offensive line, 2017, 2018, absolutely fantastic. It dropped off in 2019. It didn't look like they added enough to the group to really get back to that elite level in 2020. They got better anyway. And now going to 2021, they boast the PFFs eighth highest ranked offensive line. So this is another reason why in fantasy land. Hey, tiebreaker use the offensive line generally we should rely far more on volume because our, our abilities to just kind of judge these offensive lines before the year uh can be difficult so we have acres entering 2021 with for those counting at home a better qb a great offensive line eighth i mean that's that's great just call it above average if, if you will and three a chance for legit high-end volume so malcolm brown's gone like worst case we at least have a two-back committee system and it's, it's looking good so this takes me to my pff Louis stat and why i believe we should be all in on acres this year sean McVay in 2017 and 2019 his rb1 played at least 60 of the offensive snaps and 48 of 52 games in the other four games the guy still got to 50 and i realized a lot of this was girly but even when he was out, C.J. Anderson, Malcolm Brown, these guys were getting thrown into this role as well because Sean McVay is a featured RB guy, and that is why I have Cam Akers ranked ahead of Jonathan Taylor, ahead of Antonio Gibson. He is my RB 11, and I just think that, again, Akers' best chance role is to be the running back in every single down. I don't think that's in Taylor's potential range of outcomes, and if if Akers gets that best-case scenario, he is going to be, you know, possibly the RB one. He could actually flirt with 400 touches if they just decided to treat him like they treated Todd Gurley. So maybe McVay said, okay, you know, we saw what happened with Gurley. We saw how quickly he fall off. But the reason for that was how often I fed the running backs. He's not going to do it again. But again, 96% snaps in the divisional round. I think we already would have seen uh, that sort of mindset kind of rear its head last year, and it just wasn't the case. So right now, the only running backs I would draft ahead of Akers, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry, Aaron Jones for now, if Rodgers ends up leaving, that would be someone I'd have to bounce down just below uh acres. Ezekiel Elliott, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, Nick Chubb, and Joe Mixon. Basically, with these guys, I'm either more confident they're gonna have a high end pass floor, kind of like Eckler and Kamara. Uh with Chubb and Henry, I just think, you know, they're so special. We can kind of make a little bit of an exception to the volume rule. And then with Joe Mixon, I just think that, you know, the Chris Evans and uh, you know, their other running backs, exactly. You know, Samaj Piron. I think Mixon is kind of in the same boat as Acres, where they look like the featured guy. I'm just a little more confident in Mixon getting that role. Acres has the better offense, though, so he's the uh, RB eight over underdog right now. RB eleven up fantasy football calc. So I'm actually relatively on the low side. I think I've caught you know more grief on this because I have Acres just ahead of Jonathan Taylor, not necessarily because of my overall Acres uh, evaluation people he's got great upside and i really think you know either way like taylor acres these are the running backs you should be targeting in fantasy land you know if you can get two of these top 12 to 15 guys in the top two rounds i think it's a great call because you want to avoid kind of that next tier running backs which we're slowly but surely starting to call the rb dead zone you know the dobbins of the world you know deandre swift mike davis you can see where it works out but we just have far fewer questions like acres worst case scenario looks like as the lead back not on this. Speeded, but the lead back in an offense that should get back into the uh, league's top 12 scoring units, and for that, I think he is firmly worthy of a top 10 to 12 pick at the position. And again, even if you think Jonathan Taylor is better, I'm not going to you know, sit here and have a huge disagreement about that. Or Antonio Gibson, or even like Najee Harris. Just realize, like this is our tier of guys with this super high end range outcome in, in their you know potential uh, range of possibilities, and I think Acres firmly deserves to be in that group. So. That's going to do it, everybody. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. You can also check out the rest of our podcast network, which covers everything NFL College and Fantasy Football. Recap the NFL draft with Mike Renner and Austin Gales, two-for-one draft podcast, or get all the 2021 betting content you need at the PFF Forecast. And also, if you like fantasy football and if you like playing fantasy for money, you need to check out Underdog Fantasy. Underdog's got everything, including season long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season long game where you draft a team like you normally do. But that's it. There's no one season roster management. Underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. So go to Underdog Fantasy, and deposit $10 using promo code PFF. Get a free PFF Edge in the It's promo code PFF. Draft now, Underdog Fantasy fantasy files every single day here at the pff fantasy football podcast also please check out my 100 articles and 100 days series at pff you know hey i'm trying to keep this stuff evergreen we got months and i appreciate you all listening reading doing whatever you want but enjoy the summer too so all good i'm ian hart it's been the pff fantasy Football podcast until next time take care everybody